This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Wednesday afternoon, August the 4th, 2021. Just a couple of days away from the start of fall camp 2021 at the University of Alabama. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined on this Wednesday afternoon by longtime beat reporter for us there at BOL, where the Alabama Crimson Tide is concerned, Charlie Potter, who was my lunch partner. Just a couple of hours ago. Charlie, we had a pretty good one over there at Southern Nail House, didn't we? Yeah, man. First of all, it's been a long time since we've seen each other because of <laughs> the, the pandemic and not seeing each yeah. other at practice every day. But we're going to see a lot of each other coming up with, with practice viewing periods back and fall camp starting up. It's just like old times. Yeah, we just picked right up. You know, Charlie, you can tell, is a good bit younger than I am because he can have something like a beef brisket plate for lunch and not need to immediately go lay down, you know, whereas I have to eat like a rabbit or a bird at lunchtime now at my advanced age, or I'll be out like a light by two 30 in the afternoon. But we had a good time. It was a good lunch. We got caught up. We kind of got our game plan together as best we could for Friday's first practice over at UA. Also uh, we're anticipating maybe Charlie, and we'll get into this a little bit coming up. As far as some fall camp housekeeping, it's going to be a changing, evolving situation we anticipate as we move throughout the month of August. So we'll give you what we know as we know it. We have some updates to our projected schedule anyway, or tentative, tentative is the key word, I think, uh, as we move throughout fall camp coming up here. But there was some news about midday on Wednesday is Kadarius Callaway, Charlie, the 2021 signee from the state of Mississippi, really good two-way player on the high school level over there in the Philadelphia, Mississippi area. Uh, it became known that apparently Kadarius Callaway going to take the junior college route now. Yeah, he's leaving the, the Alabama program. He was here in the summer, and um, you know we confirmed that that's the case. And I think it was first reported by Robbie Falk over at uh, our Mississippi State side at 24-7 Sports. But Callaway also updated his Twitter bio to reflect that he's moving on to East Mississippi Community College to start things out. So and he was one of six defensive backs Alabama brought in this uh, this cycle. And uh, you know he was looking to probably start out at safety. Uh, you, like you said, he's a versatile player. He could probably play anywhere on the field. 
but uh, it was looking like a safety, especially whenever you hear a guy like Terry Arnold, who's also a versatile defensive back, starting out at corner, and then Alabama bringing in Kyrie Jackson, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Devontae Smith. just kind of made sense that he would maybe start at, at safety, but that won't be the case. I don't, I don't anticipate we'll see him uh, on Friday, and um, you know that's, that's one guy down, and Alabama's getting closer and closer to that 85 mark. Yeah, East Mississippi Community College, of course, well-known for the Netflix documentary, Last Chance You. So Kadarius will go over there and play for Buddy Stevens, one of the preeminent, one of the top, top junior college football programs in all of the country. It'll be interesting to see where the next year or two ultimately takes Kadarius Callaway, but a nice player again on the high school level, as Charlie outlined for you, at a position projected position anyway that uh, isn't exactly lacking in terms of quality numbers as it moves forward as well now fall camp housekeeping charlie teased this just a minute ago uh as we did our podcast on monday we told the listeners and our subscribers at bamaonline.com that we fully anticipated an update a schedule of some sorts from ua media relations that came of course right after our podcast, and it appears as if it could be still uh, a situation, understandably, uh, that could change a good bit. And you kind of, kind of alerted us to that possibility on Monday too. Yeah, I mean, it, first of all, the complete schedule is not for public release, so we're not going to break down date by date. But um, you know, Alabama is going to. You know, we're not going to be at every. Uh, preseason practice uh, they're going to have a few viewing periods with the first one being uh, practice number one that's that's always you know great to have and uh, it'll be fun to just to do roll call for once it'll be the first practice i've been to since uh, their last practice in orlando for the citrus bowl that was the last open wow practice. so um, be fun to get back out there and do that but we're gonna have uh on the books at least uh, about seven viewing periods and you know that depends on the weather and you know if anybody that's been in tuscaloosa or really just the state of alabama over the last month if, if it's gonna rain and uh if, if they go <laughs> if they go indoors we won't be allowed in but um you know to have you know about a week's worth of viewing periods that'll be a, a welcome sight and and once the season gets rolling, I think we'll have Mondays and Tuesdays to go out to practice, and that'll be good to have back. But you know, next week, I guess starting with Sunday, some people view Sunday as the first day of the week. It's going to be hot and heavy with interviews. You got Saban and the coordinators. We're going to have plenty of player interviews because there's not going to be a traditional media day like we've had in the past where we, you know, hear from from Coach Saban and the two coordinators and have to huff it over to Bryant Denny where they have probably about 15 or so, maybe even 20 players out in the end zone. And you just have about 30 minutes to catch them. We're going to, they're going to break those up um, over the course of next week. And that'll be good. So there'll be plenty of stuff up on the site next week. And then, you know, you have a couple weeks, a couple scrimmages and the season will be here. It's it's crazy to to say this, outline this, because it, it seems like it's just, you know, getting here quicker and quicker as the years go by. Something else that's already underway from a football perspective. We're going to get into some NFL talk as it relates to the University of Alabama here on the podcast today. You've got training camps around the National Football League very much in full swing. And Charlie, regardless of where you consume your NFL-related content, you can't really go an episode or an installment without some type of mention of player and or players with ties to the University of Alabama 
these days. I wanted to start, though, with the focus on the rookies and especially some of the, let's say, the guys that went in the first couple of rounds, the uh, the first rounders, Jalen Waddell, of course, to the Miami Dolphins, Patrick Sertan the second to the Denver Broncos, Devontae Smith to the Philadelphia Eagles, Mac Jones to the New England Patriots, Alex Leatherwood to the Raiders. That rounded out the first rounders, excuse me, Najee Harris also in that mix, not to be forgotten, of course. Number 24 overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So six first rounders for Alabama in the 2021 draft. And then picks 37 and 38 overall. You had Landon Dickerson to the Philadelphia Eagles and Christian Barmore to the New England Patriots as well. Let's start with those guys and then we'll kind of see where it takes us from there. But I guess about what you would expect, uh, some of the early buzz about Jalen Waddell and the playmaking ability, teaming back up with Tua Tonga-Vailoa back in South Florida. Patrick Sertan has received some nice reviews for his length and athleticism. I guess in the Broncos camp, if there's a negative so far, it's, I guess, maybe the injury to Devontae Smith up in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, Smitty's dealing with a sprained knee and it sounds like it's, it's not anything significant. It's, it'll be minor, but he's missing valuable reps. You know, I don't know if or how involved he would be in say the first couple preseason games. Um, you know, maybe they want to get the young guy a lot of reps. I don't know. Usually first round picks, you don't see a lot of them uh, early on in the preseason, even though this year, Correct me if I'm wrong. It's only three games, right? They cut it down this yeah, year, so right. uh, fewer opportunities. But you know, they I think they they know what they have in Smitty. Um, I think they like what they have in Smitty. Both he and Landon Dickerson, though, are, are kind of on the shelf with Dickerson coming off of that uh, you know knee injury at the end of the season. So you know, Philadelphia's you know, first two draft picks are dealing with those. But yeah, I mean, for me, just you know, looking at at Twitter and, you know, watching things on NFL network and things like that. It's training camp makes you a little jealous because those reporters are out there for the entirety of practice. But at the same time, I mean, it seems like a lot of the times there's either a lot of overreaction or a lot of underreaction. We were talking about this at, at lunchtime. So maybe people are looking to fire off takes, but in the realm of just Alabama players and Alabama rookies, you look at Miami and first of all, the buzz around Tua Tonga Valo has been very positive of late and that reflects on too you know some good performances from Jalen Waddle. I think that's gonna be uh, a really nice marriage there. They're already familiar with each other, but Tua gets a another weapon down there in Miami and uh I I think they'll just flourish. And then the, on the opposite side of the ball, Patrick Sertan, I mean it's been since he got on um or in uh, in town in Denver after getting drafted that people have just have been having rave reviews over him and it sounds like he's picked up the defense really quickly. Yeah, I think they, he could play you know multiple positions for them, whether you know on the boundary or in the slot. So those are just two guys I think from the beginning have really um, you know the, the praise has been there. And I, I think a guy like Najee Harris is going to have a, a big uh, rookie season. You know, he's going to be the feature bag. It sounds like he's already worked his way into the starting lineup. But you know, for me, just with the guys that are healthy, of course you have to take Devontae Smith out of the mix there. You know, the, the first two guys off the board for Alabama look to be doing really good in, in training camp. Interesting with Mac Jones up there in New England. So many parallels and comparisons made between Mac and, of course, Tom Brady. The similarity in terms of their skill sets, kind of their even their physical appearances. And then you have an injury to Jared Stidham up there in that quarterback room to go along with Cam Newton, of course, the veteran there. And 
uh, seemed to thrust Mac into a position uh, of being able to compete maybe directly with Cam a little bit earlier than maybe some folks anticipated. There been a lot of positive things about Mac that have been said and written over the last couple of weeks, but I guess here in the last day or so, had a little bit of a rough practice, sort of coincided up there, it sounds like, with Christian Barmore doing some really positive things and some one-on-one work, pass pro drills, things like that, pass rush drills, which as we've seen from Christian over the last three years, you put him in some one-on-ones, especially as a pass rusher, uh, he's got a chance to be a real problem. So um, what do you think with Mac going into the season, going into the preseason, I guess, uh, looks to be about where we anticipated he would be and still, I would think, a, a real possibility at some point during the upcoming season to see important reps at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, even before the the personnel, I guess issues, just in terms of injuries and setbacks to other guys, I, I, I think we thought that Mac would be the number two guy going into the season, and I agree with you. I think it's it's a matter of time. He's he's the future at the position for New England. They don't draft quarterbacks in the first round, and uh, yeah, I know that Stidham has been there, uh, a guy that maybe people thought would be groomed to replace Tom Brady. Um, that hasn't you know turned out to be the case and I think Mac Jones just with his intelligence as a player um his accuracy his demeanor um you know he's made for a situation like this to go in and know that maybe you don't have to start day one but you're going to have an opportunity to compete and prove yourself and that's really what he's done since he he's been in Alabama you know coming in as the number two quarterback in that 2017 class so uh, I think, you know, just you know, jotting down notes for this, the first thing I wrote down whenever we were going to talk about the, the rookies was can Mac overtake Cam? And, um, you know, Cam Newton didn't have a great season last year in New England. And if maybe those same issues and problems pop up for him, Mac gets an opportunity. And I think with him and uh, his quick decision making and just his leadership and, and personality, I, I think he can be set up for success in the NFL. So, Hopefully he continues to to do some good things. He brushes off maybe a bad practice or two here lately, and I'll be really eager to see him getting some preseason games for sure. Pretty interesting how much the quarterback talk in relation to Alabama and the NFL has picked up just in the last couple of years. Because it's not just Mac, it's not just Tua. You have Jalen Hurts up there in Philadelphia with, of course, deep ties to Alabama and also Devontae Smith. So as a position for years that you really weren't able to do that where Crimson Tide quarterbacks were concerned. You still got A.J. McCarron in the league with, in my opinion, the best job in maybe all of professional sports, <laughs> a well-compensated backup. But uh, a lot of these guys to talk about, uh, Tua, as you said, sounds like things are uh, trending in a positive direction for him heading into year two, which shouldn't come as a surprise. He's another year removed from that pretty devastating hip injury he sustained at Mississippi State there late in the 2019 season. So his time frame would seem to make sense. And then you got the other two first-rounders that we're going to get around to. Alex Leatherwood, Charlie, when he was taken 17th overall by the Las Vegas Raiders, that raised more than a few eyebrows. And so Leatherwood, despite being a mid-first-round pick, sort of went into Raiders camp for the first time in his professional career as a bit of a question mark. 
And based on the comments and the buzz coming out west from out west and from his head coach, John Gruden, sounds like he's more than lived up to that billing as the 17th overall pick. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit I was surprised whenever he came off the board when he did. Um, I usually have these things you know, pretty um, well prepared just in terms of story shells, just plug in the team where they go. And I had to kind of scramble for that one, if I'm being <laughs> honest. But you know, I, I think that, you know, John Gruden, Mike Mayock, um, you know, they do a good job of, of scouting players and they take for the most part, well-known college commodities. And, you know, Alex Litherwood was that he was that one trophy winner last year. He was an all American. He was a leader on that offensive line along with Lena Dickerson. And uh, I think those characteristics are something that teams like, and, um, yeah, you know, John Gruden is, a, is the latest coach to provide Alabama with some free recruiting graphics, talking about Alabama t- tackles and, and how he likes them because he said, quote, when I turn on their games, they're beating the hell out of people. And, uh, you know, Alex Leatherwood did that during his time here. And um, I, I think while it might have been a reach, you know, you, if, if he can go in and, and help them solidify that offensive line, open up some holes for Josh Jacob and Josh Jacobs and, and Kenyon Drake, then it's it's a pick well spent because – um, you know, I don't think they've had just the best offensive line there in, in Oakland and then moving on to, to Las Vegas. And if Leatherwood can do that, then that'll be big. And it sounds like just here of late, at least the, the, the opening days of, of training camp, he's done a good job and impressed. So hopefully he can keep it up. Alabama becoming OTU, isn't it? Offensive tackle university. I mean, you look at the first round picks in the Nick Saban era and you talk about Andre Smith to begin with. And then, you know, you move on down the the line. Even Cyrus Quanjo was an early second round pick uh, at the offensive tackle spot. DJ Fluker, a first rounder as an offensive tackle. Of course, Fluke then moved inside eventually in the National Football League. James Carpenter was a first round pick uh, as an offensive tackle before moving inside uh, in 2011. You get into... Uh, we talked about Quanjo. Um, you get into 2016, 2017, and there you've got Cam Robinson as an early second round pick. And I was able to catch a, uh, a training camp practice down in Jacksonville a week or so ago. And uh, there's questions about Cam and his big picture viability as a tackle in the National Football League. From what I can gather, though, within that organization to this point, of training camp, he's been very good, very good in the preseason. So very much a money year for Cam Robinson, a contract year. He's got that franchise tag on him down in Jacksonville, make 13 million this year, but uh, millions and millions of more riding on this 2021 season for Cam. You know, Jonah Williams, a first round pick, uh, Jedrick Wills, a first round pick. Uh, now you've gotten into Alex Leatherwood, you know, you wonder why maybe some of these guys like Tommy Brockermeyer, J.C. Latham, uh, make the moves they make and come in the same class as top-ranked offensive tackles. Well, the NFL draft probably uh, gives you a good indication of that. What about Najee Harris up in Pittsburgh, Charlie? What are you what are you gathering from Najee's start up there in the in the uh, Steel City? Yeah, I mean, everything points to Najee being the the top option at running back, and and that was pretty clear. Um, 
you know, I think that they needed to, to upgrade that position. And the offensive line is going to be a question. So it could be a tough rookie season for Najee, but I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities. And, you know, we've seen some interviews with him of, you know, people talking about his receiving abilities. And he's still gets a little bit of a chapped ass whenever he's asked about that because that's something that he's done since middle school. And uh, I know he <laughs> he didn't really appreciate one of the questions he was asked about that this time here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just looks like he's going to have a, a featured role in the offense. I think it'll be a big help to, to Big Ben and to maybe take some pressure off of that passing game to, to do the heavy lifting. And, uh, yeah, he's a guy that I think a lot of people will probably want to draft pretty high on their fantasy teams just because yeah, he's going to get – a ton of carries he's going to be a factor in the passing game he's pretty much going to be what we saw this past season now it might not be and lead to the same success just because you know they're going to have some maybe growing pains and some inefficiencies up front on the offensive line but Najee, i think he's going to get every opportunity to to be the the feature back there in pittsburgh and if you know he can you know find some holes to run through and stay healthy i think he'll have a big rookie season Alabama alums dispersed pretty evenly across the National Football League. Although, just to me anyway, and tell me what you think, Charlie, feels like more of an AFC uh, vibe with Alabama players because I think of the Raiders at this point. They're low. They're bammed up. Uh, The Patriots have become more and more bammed up. The Ravens still have a pretty strong contingent, best I can tell. The Dolphins now have certainly added to their Bama mix. Is that the sense you get, or maybe am I just uh, maybe because of my affiliation, my my passionate uh, way in which I observe an AFC team in particular? Maybe I just see it through AFC lenses a little bit. But I think you're on the right track. I mean, I don't have a favorite NFL team. I like to watch you know all the games on Sunday and throughout the week. But uh, outside of the NFC East, really, it is pretty AFC heavy. You know, the the Giants, the Eagles, uh, Washington, they all have a pretty strong Alabama flavor just in terms of their roster. Um, you know, the Cowboys, I know they have Amari Cooper and Trayvon Day, so they're two. But the NFC East has double-digit Alabama players in its division but then you know the rest of them are down you know six seven four you know you the with the Falcons losing Julio Jones um you know guys just you know moving on moving around the league it's not so much the NFC but you look at the AFC you're right I mean the Raiders um the the Titans now adding Julio Jones they have a, Mm -hmm. a a strong case to be Alabama fans favorite NFL team that Sean Evans there now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Derek Henry Miller, Miller Forstall's on Miller Forstall. Yeah. And then the, the big one, uh, it's usually been the AFC North because of the Ravens, um, and the Bengals, the teams like that, but the Steelers and the Browns, they have a, a strong Alabama flavor, but it's the AFC East man with the dolphins, the Patriots, um, the dolphins. I know they've, they've made some moves, you know, since I, I put out that, um, tied the NFL after the NFL draft is I think they had 77 players on rosters or damn near close to 80. Um, I think the Dolphins have made a move with, with DJ Fluker, but they still have Tua and Waddle and Robert Foster, Raquan Davis. You know, they added Carl Tucker as an undrafted free agent you know, the Patriots with Mac and Damian Harris and Dante Hightower. And now Christian Barmore, they had Anthony Jennings a year ago. It's, it's a very loaded, um, AFC just in terms of Alabama players and you know the Saints I think are one of the only teams that don't have an Alabama player on the roster 
Um, so, uh, you know, I, I know some people might consider Alvin Kamara. I, I don't want to uh, do these. The <laughs> only the only player that didn't end his career at Alabama that I include is Jalen Hurts because yeah. I think people might riot if I didn't. But, yeah, you, you're tough to find an NFL team that doesn't have multiple Alabama players on its roster at this point. We're going to take a break here on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, we're going to project – this current Alabama roster for the 2021 season where draft eligibles for 2022's selection process are concerned. We'll do that with Charlie Potter, outstanding beat reporter for us at BamaOnline.com. I'm Travis Schreier. The Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back with more of a Wednesday edition of the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't as of yet, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? Simple as a click or two. Totally free to you. And we would certainly appreciate it as well if you would leave us a rating. Five-star preferred. But look, be honest. Be honest with the evaluation process. And a review while you're there. That would help us out tremendously as well. All right, Charlie. Let's get into looking ahead to some potential scenarios for the 2022 NFL draft. And while the offense has been very prolific in the last three or four years, uh, that should still have the potential for multiple draft picks from that side of the ball for the 2022 NFL draft. But man, when you think about this team, defense typically comes to mind first. And so it's not hard to envision multiples from the defensive side of the ball being in that sort of first round discussion for next year's draft as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the thing I wrote down just in preparation for this is, you know, the, the 2021 draft could be 2020 like for Alabama's defense, just in terms of how many players um, on the offensive side of the ball heard their name called. It could be the complete opposite for Alabama and, and, uh, 2022, I guess. I got the years wrong. It's, it, it is what it is. But I think that while they probably won't all be first-round picks, I think it could be maybe a deeper draft for this defense because you have to take into consideration uh, the seniors and the guys that could potentially uh, leave early. You, you got older guys like Josh Job, um, you know Christopher Allen, Fidarian Mathis, LeBron Ray. You know, those guys will be moving on more than likely unless they choose to take a, advantage of another year of eligibility. And then guys like Jordan Battle, um, Christian Harris, Henry Toa Toa, you know, they're going to be there in the mix as well. So it's a, it's a group where um, I think there's a lot of depth in terms of where they could come off the board. I think guys like Josh Job, maybe one of those edge rushers, you know, maybe an inside linebacker, maybe a Jordan Battle come off the board in the first round. But you're looking at, you know, day one, day two, maybe early portion of day three, where you could see these Alabama defenders, you hear their names called. 
I agree. I agree, especially, uh, well, you can look at really just about every level of this defense. I think it's going to be fascinating just there at inside linebacker because you're going to see mock drafts with Christian Harris and Henry Toa in some order. And whereas we both expect uh, Jalen Moody to still be very much in that mix at inside linebacker, there could be some healthy competition between Toa Toa and Harris Maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, you're thinking, you know, I'm trying to elevate myself in terms of draft status for the next spring as well. Yeah, I mean, I think adding Henry Toa Toa to the mix, um, while I think initially you think, well, well, why would they do that? They seem like they have their starters set. I, I think it just makes the defense better. I think it creates competition uh, in practice. I know this past season – um, I, I know that Dylan Moses wasn't healthy all the time, but he was on the field and that was beneficial for the players around him. That was beneficial for the young guys. Cause you look back at that, uh, 2019 season when Moses and McMillan went down with injuries, they didn't have that older statesman to look around and to, you know, lean on and to use as an example. And not only will I think it help the younger players in that regard, guys like a Deontay Lawson and Ian Jackson, a Kendrick Blackshire, um, even the, the second year players in Demoy Kennedy and Jackson Bratton is going to push Christian Harrison in, pa- in practice to be even better because he has that guy to compete with in a Henry Toa Toa. The same for Jalen Moody, the same for Shane Lee. I, I think it just, it elevates the room and, um, you can, you know, we've seen, you know, just talking about that 2019 season and the years prior to that, you can never have enough linebackers because injuries can happen. And to bring in a guy like that, I think is, is advantageous for the position group and advantageous for the defense as a whole. First Alabama player to have his name called in the 2022 NFL draft. If you had to pick that guy today on August the 4th, 2021, who would be your selection there? Someone we haven't even talked about. We go back to the offensive side of the ball, but we, you have mentioned how Alabama's offensive tackle you. I mean, this could continue that trend with Evan Neal. He just seems like a guy. He's a mammoth human being. Um, he's moved all over the offensive line, moving to his third position now, but shows that flexibility. He can play on either side of the offensive line. He could move inside if they wanted to. I, I don't think a team would look at Evan Neal and think they need to move him at guard uh, right away. Um, that, I guess, will depend on this season and how he performs. But He's just the ideal size for a, a dominant offensive tackle in the, in the NFL. And you can already see just um, the early, I guess, mock drafts or predictions or projections for the 2022 NFL draft have a lot of love for Evan Neal. I think Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network has already done a profile on him or at least a breakdown of his game. And, you know, this early in the game, it, that says a lot about what teams think about Evan Neal. So if I had to pick one, uh, I would go Evan Neal. Hell, if, if Will Anderson was eligible, I would pick him. But he still has <laughs> Alabama fans can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief knowing he has at least one more year in the program. Yeah, I'm with you on Evan Neal. Big time position of value. A guy who physically just every year seems to take another big step. And it looks like he's done that once again during the most recent offseason. I guess John Mechie could be in that discussion as well. Uh, if he's able to become that next 1,000-plus yard receiver, he was nearly uh, a 1,000-yard guy in 2020. What about the guy that might have the toughest decision based on where he could fall as far as his 
grade goes. Maybe late first, more second round. Might have a tough decision to make coming up for the 2022 NFL draft. Who would your guy be there? Yeah, I think just looking at kind of trends uh, for the NFL draft, I think it's either one of the inside linebackers, depending on if both of them have great seasons. Uh, maybe it's a it's a fringe kind of thing for a guy like Christian Harris. Uh, maybe he benefits from coming back for a senior year. I, I think he's shown progress over the course of each year he's been in the program. But if he is kind of on the fence, is that a, a difficult choice to make? Uh, and then I think a guy like Jordan Battle, just because we've seen the safety position not necessarily be devalued, but look at a guy like Landon Collins who dropped to the second round. The same thing happened to Xavier McKinney. Is Jordan Battle, you know, just because we don't see a ton of safeties come off the board um, early in an NFL draft, does that happen to him if he chooses to come out? So I think those are two spots for me, and it's not necessarily indicative of the player in the season I think they're going to have. It's more so of just what we've seen at their positions in recent NFL drafts. Agree. I think safety's tough because you can pretty much be pegged out in terms of maybe how you project to the next level. And I think tight ends similar too. I think Jalil Billingsley could be that kind of guy, Charlie. You know, have a big season in 2000, similar to Irv Smith Jr. Uh, a couple of years ago. Put up big numbers. Uh, you don't see a ton of tight ends go in the first round or certainly early in the first round. So, do you go ahead and take the plunge at that point? Uh, I think safety, as you just talked about, and it sounds like just from what I'm picking up, and, and I'm not a studier of the NFL draft this early in the process, sounds like, though, working against Jordan Battle and maybe even DeMarco Ellums, if he has a huge year, is that defensive backfield depth. I hear draft analysts out there already talking about being an area of strength for this next class. Yeah, um, I, I hear that. I mean, you think of the the guy at Notre Dame. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that could probably it, it's probably going to be the first safety off the board, and that's already a spot ahead of you that you have to worry about. Um, Kyle Hamilton up there at Notre Dame. So I, mm-hmm. I just think that that one's the tricky one. And um, you know, I, I agree with Billingsley. I think he's a guy that could weigh his options and choose to leave early. Uh, I think he could be on par to have a Herb Smith Jr. like season, if not better, just because the wide receivers that he's going to be playing alongside aren't as good as the ones that Herb Smith played with in 2018. Um, you know, I, I think Alabama's receivers are going to come into their own and everything, but they're just a more inexperienced group. And um, I, I think that one will be. Interesting in another one, too. I mean, when we've talked about the positions where they maybe aren't what they used to be in terms of coming off the board earlier in the draft is running back. Um, you know, Brian Robinson's a fifth year senior, and this was probably his last year. And, you know, they're, Alabama has a talented and deep stable of running backs to where they could maybe have a, you know, position by committee approach this year instead of leaning on one player like they did with Najee Harris. And so with Brian Robinson, I, I don't think that he's going to come back for a sixth season. Um, you know, with, with all the, the COVID rules and everything like that, I don't even know if, if that's possible, but it's a situation where if he did have a huge year, does he even go in the first round just because of what happens at the running back spot? I mean, Najee Harris, I believe he was the only running back or was there one taken late in the first round? It, it, it regardless, He's taken in the in the twenties. Travis Etienne went yeah. to our Jags. Yeah, 
So, I mean, but that's still the latter portion of the first half and right. uh, the uh, the first round. And those guys are probably having better seasons than Brian Robinson. So I think he's worth mentioning, but it's still a situation where it probably falls a little farther than he wants. Should I stay? Should I go? I guess we could have just called this segment Alabama props, right? <laughs> yeah. When it comes to the NFL draft and been a lot going on in the world of professional sports, man. Major League Baseball trade deadline, uh, NBA transactions moving with the NBA draft now in our rearview mirror. I don't know. Between those two in the last week or so, I can't recall a more entertaining stretch, maybe for one or both of those sports. But when you combine them together, Charlie, uh, what we've seen here in the last 10 days or so, it's been a lot of fun. It has been. You throw the Olympics in the mix, and it's just there's always something going on. And uh, I know the Olympics have been kind of hard to watch because of the way the NBC is doing it. But I've enjoyed watching uh, the Olympics. I always like to watch the sports that you can't watch all the time, Mm. and that includes things. I I like watching the swimming um, because I I just don't understand why people would want to swim like that um, for competition (laughs) and not for fun. But it has been. Survival. yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed the NBA draft. I love the, the NBA free agency. As soon as that uh, hour hits and all the deals just start popping off, I love seeing that, even though I think the Magic were the only team in the NBA that didn't make a deal on the first day of free agency. Um, and then the building, NBA, building through the draft, Charlie. Building through the draft. You know, the, hey, I get it. The, the Magic had a great draft. It worked out supremely in their fla- in their favor and uh-huh. at this point you're not going to go out you're, i mean you're only going to sign you know mid-level to um whatever exception you're not going to go out and get a big name free agent I, I understand that but it's still you know you, you poke them with a stick and then want them to do something because <laughs> you, you talk about the the nba um or the uh, major league baseball trade deadline i mean the braves made a lot of moves in the last hour they got some outfield help they got some bullpen help and hopefully they'll get out of this 500 rut but um i'm not you know i'm not counting they didn't stand still no they didn't know? They, they did a few things you know i was glad i went to a cubs game uh, a week and a half ago or so at wrigley a couple of games and i'm glad i went when i did because i got to see javier baez um, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant together in that lineup turned out to be one of the last few games. You talk about a fire sale. You talk about sellers, man, the Cubs, the Cubs don't care though, because you know what? You're still going to pack that ballpark. People are still going to go to Wrigley field, no matter what you put out there, you know? They are. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, we talked about it on a past podcast. I mean, I know a lot of people down here are Braves fans just because of regionally, but that's also seems like a, a sports writer thing is, is everybody's Cubs fans. Uh, so seeing guys like Wes Rucker and other people in the network, kind of seeing them sad, it was, it was kind of enjoyable to be honest. Yeah. You, you're so sadistic, Charlie, <laughs> you know, so petty, so petty, but we enjoy that. We enjoy that aspect of uh, Charlie, I'll say this, like the two games I went to at Wrigley, uh, where we sat anyway, we were in the midst of hardcore baseball people. I've never seen as many people keeping a scorebook at a major league baseball park than I saw at Wrigley. Those two games we were there. Mm-hmm. Now we, a lot, a lot of times we sit out in the bleachers and that's just a beer garden, you know, right. that's about the party. But when you get into that sort of 200 level, that's under the 
overhang of that upper deck. I think that's where you get more of the hardcores apparently there in the infield. The outfield's just a party at Wrigley. Yeah, that's crazy. I, well, you know, I've I tried to to keep book at some of the baseball games that I covered, but I still have flashbacks to having to do um, one pitch softball tournaments back at Boaz as a something. <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, man, Cubs fans, Bryant at the one game hit a triple and it goes to straightaway center field. I guess it was. And when he hit second, it was pretty cool how the anticipation of the crowd of him making the decision to go for three, they simultaneously, the roar grew of the crowd as he hit second. And by the time he was at third, it was, it was SEC football like, man, which is about the highest compliment I can give a, uh, a sports crowd, you know? So really anyway, anyway, Hey, um, we're going to have a lot of stuff to get into coming up as we get later in the week. Again, fall camp 2021 at the university of Alabama. Now, I think Charlie and myself both checked out that new overpass too. We got to talk about the overpass here for a minute that, uh, basically now connects, 15th street to bryant drive charlie it goes over those railroad tracks that run parallel to 15th street uh that's going to be pretty cool i think it will be yeah which way did you go did you come from 15th street to coleman well you know yes yes i was up far too early wednesday morning went for the coffee run and then realized going by it on 15th out towards mcfarland that hey that opened this morning. So on the way back, I hung the right and then went over the overpass and then coming into the law school parking lot, Coleman, all that. Yes, but that was the approach. That's the same thing we did. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, the wife, and she worked last night, she works up in Birmingham, and she said, when I come home, let's go get breakfast and, and drive over the new overpass. It was like a new attraction in town. And I, honestly, <laughs> I was anticipating, because you know as well as I do, when something new opens in Tuscaloosa, you would think they're handing out free money with the people that show up. I oh, was yeah. There to be, you know, just people checking it out or people driving over it. We were the only car. Like, I stopped. I took pictures. Uh, just to tweet out and things like that. But I was shocked that there wasn't a bigger crowd out there. It's it's cool to see. It takes up a lot of parking. I think usually where I park for basketball games is gone now. And hopefully that won't affect us with you know media viewing periods coming up. But it's still pretty cool that, that that's there and, and goes straight over to the baseball field. Yeah, I was surprised they didn't have like the million dollar band start over at Guthrie's <laughs> and just come across 15th and then over the new overpass, and then they could have just went right onto their band practice field over there. You know, that would have been a, a cool effect. Maybe they're going to save that for later. Yeah, this opportunity, if not. Absolutely. We got lots of opportunities to catch up with us at BamaOnline.com. You need to do it right now. Hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board choice of fans around the world. Right there at BOL, and we got practice updates. Practice updates coming on Friday as the Crimson Tide cranks up fall camp 2021. Charlie, always a lot of fun. Always appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, no problem. Good to catch up again. It'll be good to catch up in person this weekend, barring some rain. That would really put oh, a damper on say the tide. That. But, uh, saying that. I'm trying to speak it out of existence. That's I my, like it. my mindset. So Don't go lay down on that brisket either. You know you want to. <laughs> 
No, I'm good right now. Hopefully, I, right. I do envision a nap in a few hours, and if, if that's the case, it'll be a good afternoon. But always good to catch up, man. We'll do it again soon. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. We'll talk to you again real soon. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.